Um, the reading comes from uh, John 11, and I'm starting at verse 28. Then she returned to Mary. She called Mary aside from the mourners and told her, the teacher is here and wants to see you. So Mary immediately went to him. Jesus had stayed outside the village at the place where Martha met him. When the people who were at the house consoling Mary saw her leave so hastily, they assumed she was going to Lazarus's grave to weep. So they followed her there. When Mary arrived and saw Jesus, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people wailing with her, a deep anger welled up within him and he was deeply troubled. Where have you put him? They asked, he asked them. They told him, Lord, come and see. Then Jesus wept. The people who were standing nearby said, see how much he loved him? But some said, this man healed a blind man. Couldn't he have kept Lazarus from dying? Jesus was still angry as he arrived at the tomb. A cave with a stone rolled across its entrance. Roll the stone aside, Jesus said to them. But Martha, the dead man's sister, protested, Lord, he has been dead for four days. The smell will be terrible. Jesus responded, didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe? So they rolled the stone aside. Then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me, but I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here so that they will believe that you sent me. Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in a headcloth. Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. Many of the people who were with Mary believed in Jesus when they, when they saw this happen. But some went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. Thank you, Jan and Ruth. May God's name be blessed through the public reading of his word. Amen. So here we are, Father God, um, open to hear the voice of the Good Shepherd. Protect our hearts. Green us, uh, lead us to those green pastures. Refresh our soul as we listen to your word this morning. And help us, Lord, to follow you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this is the second Sunday that we are working uh, through chapter 11 of John. Uh, for those of you who um, were not here last Sunday, we're just trying to, to grapple with this whole idea, where is God in the face of suffering and death? 
And um, last Sunday, we dealt a little bit more with Martha and Jesus be, being there in the sa- being there um, in the face of death, in the face of suffering. And we left it on the point where actually Jesus is talking to Martha and he's asking the question, do you believe this? Do you believe that I am the resurrection and the life? And today we are going to look at that second passage. And I think if we need to to stay more, a little bit more here, we will. But um, I've got the privilege and honor to be journeying with families, I mean, in Albania and here, who go through the pain and the grief of death. It's a great honor. It's a great privilege. And it's, it's great to see um, God working those difficult uh, times in people's lives. Um, I've said this in the past, but I, I still say here that I think in the Western culture, we do not have a very good, strong theology of suffering and death. And I don't say this lightly, but, but it's, it's, if we wanted to, to, to have a look at what is going on in the passage here, we need to look to other cultures. The whole family is in agony. The two sisters have lost their source of support and income and um, identity and everything that has to do with their livelihoods. They are in despair because the brother has died. And as I reminded you last week, that in cultures where the funeral happens immediately, it's very difficult time to deal with that grief and loss. And one thing that is probably not so obvious um, in this culture which I can bring from our own culture, is that um, I think people are very reserved here to express their feelings. Now, you probably, I mean, Ruth can testify this coming from an English side, but if you were part of an Albanian death, um, as I said to you, it's the next day, the funeral is the next day, there's no, you know, that's the done thing. But also there is a, 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 a bigger way, I think, of expressing the grief and the pain and everything. And it's to the point of being very, very dramatic. It's lots of wailing and screaming and um, declaring how, how there is a lot of more of an obvious lament. And I'm not saying that people do not grieve here. I'm not saying that people do not. But I I think that's something that I find very, very bizarre. And I I must say this. um, I've shared this with the the people that I've been journeying with uh, to, to take funerals. That for me, the most disrespectful thing that happens is the way that we treat deaths as conveyor belts at the crematorium. 
I, I, I really find that very, very disturbing. That is, you've got such a limited time and we need to do that very well, but it's, it's awful. It's awful. So, so I think this also does not allow that time to, to grieve well and to, to do that well. But, but, so I wanted to bring this in so we get a little bit of the picture of what is going on with Mary and Martha. And the moment that Jesus walks into the situation, he's finding the whole community, including the two sisters who have lost everything, in this state of agony and pain and wailing and screaming because they've lost somebody. And the first interaction is with Martha. Because actually, in one sense, Martha wanted the life of her brother back. And as I said last Sunday, in one sense, this is Jesus walking into Martha's life and ministering to her, wanting to restore her as well. Pain is real and urgent. And as I said last week, it refuses to be soothed by faraway hope. Neat theological answers will not do. But as Christians, we don't have just neat theological answers to offer. Because Jesus comes. And although he does not fix Martha's problem, he changes the terms of engagement. Jesus looks at the eyes of this grieving woman and he says, Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. Do you believe this? Because whoever believes in me, though he dies, he shall live, she shall live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. This is the claims of Jesus. And Jesus is, is, is appealing to Martha in love. John, he wants to tell us that, you know, John was the apostle of love. He wants to make sure that that is coming clearly as Jesus is ministering. If you know, and if you looked at the previous chapters, Jesus has just come out of a situation to be stoned. His time has not come yet. And now he is moving towards Jerusalem. And as he is preparing for that big day when he is going to be crucified, John makes sure that he pens down and he says, one more miracle just to show the power of who Jesus is. Just another invitation for you to believe. As he says later on in the gospel, there was many, many stories that I could have written here, but I've decided to choose so many so that you may believe that Jesus 
is the Son of God. This is the invitation for us this morning. And Jesus is very serious about his ministry. He's not going to let this opportunity to go away. But also, I think we see that Jesus' love is reflected in the way that he's dealing with everyone. I reminded you and I challenged you, and by saying you, I include myself here, that actually Jesus invites us to trust him and to know that he loves us in the face of suffering. There is one thing very clear here, is that Jesus loved them. There is no doubt. He goes to the grave of Lazarus. And the shortest Bible sentence is given to us. Jesus wept. He sees what is going on in the agony of Martha and Mary. He sees what is going on in the eyes of the people who have just come to comfort. And unlike those people who we've always had in our lives that are trying to say anything that would comfort us as we're going through trouble, but it doesn't cut it. Jesus keeps silent after he is offered that he is the life and the resurrection. And he weeps. Jesus is there. His presence is real. He is not just a God who is God with a, a small g. Who is just a picture or a statue or, or something that is just far away, distant, and is not interested. He's not watching suffering from a safe distance that he is actually able to escape when people come and accuse him. No, no. He is there. He is there in the face when he is asked from the people who are watching that if he saved the blind man, how come he loves Martha and Mary and Lazarus and he's not done anything about this? Jesus wept. Because that's our Lord. And that's what makes Christianity different from all the other religions. Because our Savior is a prophet who is a man of sorrows. That's what the prophet said in the old days. Prophet Isaiah chapter 53. He was a man of sorrows. He was acquainted in, with grief. Jesus weeps. Not just because he feels sorry. But he's got compassion. And he knows the amazing disaster that sin has brought into the world. 
Because as the good book says, the wages of sin is death. But God has given us eternal life in Jesus Christ. Jesus weeps as he sees you, brothers and sisters, suffering. He knows your pain. And it's very easy for me to stand here and preach it and say, this is it. But no, no, I mean it. And he is full of compassion. And he is not your Lord and Savior who wants to be a distance God watching suffering, watching you suffer from a safe distance. He knows because he has gone through suffering himself. Do you believe him? Do you believe that he is life and resurrection in the face of what you are facing? We've got that invitation today. The beautiful part of this story is that retrospect helps to look back and say, yeah, we know what happened with Lazarus. We know that Jesus went to the grave and he says, hey, where is he? Oh, he's here. Just move out the stone. And they moved the stone out. And he says, Lazarus, come out. An old Puritan writer said he had to call Lazarus by name because if he would have said dead person come out, all the dead will come out. But Lazarus, come out. Because remember, remember what he told Martha. This story will end up with God being glorified. The suffering and the pain that you're going through is going to bring you to that place to see God being glorified. We sang, thank you Richard and the band, all my life you have been faithful. All my life you've been so, so good. And perhaps this is that place we come and say that in the face of suffering is not just the whole nebulous, clever ideas, but it's, no, no, we are going to preach them and say them to our soul in the face of suffering. God is faithful. He is trustworthy. And he's the resurrection and the life. And he invites us, each and every one of us, by name, to believe that. We worked through Job last year, through the pandemic. And as we have addressed it with Job, that the amount of suffering of a pers- that the person endures is not pro- well, proportional to his or her own sin. We've said that. But coming to believe Jesus as a resurrection and life is not a one-off activity. 
This is the daily battle that I have to say. I have to keep up with my heart when I am tempted that someone else or something else could be my resurrection and my life. And in this battle, sometimes I win, sometimes I lose. Sometimes it's too much. But I'm so pleased that this does not depend on me. I'm so pleased that this is not up to me. So the invitation today is for you and I to respond to this resurrection and the life that Jesus gives. Lazarus responds to Jesus' calling to come out of the grave. And he comes out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in a headcloth. Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. Hallelujah. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. And whoever believes in him will have life. And the invitation today is to respond to that. Do you want Jesus to be the resurrection and life? He's near you. He loves you. He cares for you. He weeps. And he knows that regardless of what you're going, God will be glorified. We're going to respond to that invitation by coming to the table. And again, this is the moment where we come to the table and we, we remember. John reminded us of those people who'd given their, love, their lives for friends. And the Gospel of John reminds us that there is no greater Thing that the man should give up his life for his friends. John 15, 13. So we come to this table remembering that on the day that Jesus was having a Passover meal with his disciples, they had the meal, he took the bread, broke it, and he said, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And the same manner, he took the cup and he said, this is the cup of the new covenant. Drink this in remembrance of me.
So as we come to serve you the communion, I want for you to use this time to respond to that invitation of Jesus being the resurrection and life. And perhaps you need to reflect your life and if there is things that you need to repent of, this is the time. If there are things for you to ask forgiveness for, this is the time. But also this is the time for you to receive the life that Jesus gives. So I'm going to pray. Um, the band is going to be playing a song in the background and then two, two of the elders are going to um, come and serve you the communion. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are our resurrection and life. I want to bring this a level lower. Lord, thank you that you are my resurrection and my life. And thank you that you, you are that because of what you did for us. The suffering, the pain, the agony, the nails, the rejection, the spitting. So that we could be reconciled and be at peace with God. So we remember, Lord, we remember your suffering, we remember your love, we remember your tears. Lord, we thank you for everything that you've gone through so we could be here and share this great meal that you've provided for us. Forgive us, Lord, for the times that we take you for granted. Forgive us for the times when we put other things and other people to represent our resurrection and life. Restore us and give us that life today. In Jesus' name, amen.